0: Defend and Confirmed podcast featuring Russell Berger and Sean DeMars.
1: Uh, It's been a minute since we've recorded anything. Yeah. You have been traveling.
0: Yeah, off doing some really big important things, no big deal, but uh, spent a week trying to finish uh, two books on the prosperity gospel, one kind of medium length, One uh, that's going to come out through Crossway, Lord willing, that's for people who don't like to read. And then spent some time in Cleveland with the American Gospel guys who are launching the AGTV app, uh, which is basically a streaming service that they're going to be launching for like six bucks a month. And it's going to have a whole bunch of good content. We recorded a roundtable discussion uh, addressing pushback to the first American Gospel. And I also did a little piece on cessationism. So when the app comes out in November, I think that's right yep get it and go watch that material if you are a fan of the podcast that's right a g
1: t v guarding the gospel yeah that's right it's uh it's exciting that that's coming up yeah so we we have uh been trying to produce uh an episode of this podcast answering some viewer and or listener questions, yeah we basically put it out there. What are your questions? What yeah. do you want us to talk about? And I was surprised to see, I guess I shouldn't have been too surprised. Right. More than one person yeah. asking the question, how should Christians think about other professing Christians who are voting yeah. in this election or in any election for Democratic Party candidates? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we know why that's being asked. We're in the middle of a very contentious election. Sure. Uh, politics in general in our country has become more and more divisive. Yeah. So, this is an issue a lot of people are wrestling with. But, uh,
0: but Russell, we're not the general theology people podcast, we're the defend and confirm podcast. So, why are we uh, basically an apologetics podcast? answering a question that has to do with voting.
1: It, it does feel a little topical for us, doesn't it? Yeah,
0: I think it's appropriate, but I, I would like yeah. you to unpack that a little bit. So,
1: so we've been walking through critical theory, uh, contemporary critical theory, and all the ways that it's wrong. Okay. So we've been criticizing it pretty pretty strongly. Yeah. Uh, we haven't even really gotten into the fruit of critical race theory or identity politics. Right. But everybody knows that this stuff is a large part of our, poli- our politics today. Yeah. So I feel like we have a responsibility to not only help our listeners understand what's wrong with that stuff, yeah. but also to teach them how they can wisely and carefully interact with other brothers and sisters who may disagree with them on the very issues we're teaching them to think are wrong. Amen. Uh, and so that's the whole point of this episode. Sounds good. So Christians in voting, we want all viewers, brothers and sisters listening, watching this to have a healthy biblical understanding of how they can interact with people who disagree with them within their local church
0: so we are not telling christians how to vote with this episode that is absolutely correct okay. our, our
1: goal is is trying to help people think through striking the balance between preserving unity
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and not being unnecessarily divisive okay and on the other hand making sure that that unity is true unity with yeah. people who are genuinely christian yeah. and are not supporting and promoting and affirming ideas that are anti-christian
0: It's a very tight line to walk.
1: It's a tight line to walk, and it's a difficult concept to unpack. Mm -hmm. So before we even get into where you need to land on this, uh, think of this sort of like Ikea furniture.
0: Okay.
1: (laughs) Stay with me. Okay. Uh, If you've ever put together Ikea furniture or any kind of mail order furniture, you get that instruction manual out, and you find the English page near the back. Yeah. It's going to tell you
0: tools. Which it should be by the front, amen. man? Obviously. Okay. Uh, tools you
1: need to complete this installation. Yeah. And it's going to have your screwdriver, your Allen wrench, your washers, whatever it is. Okay. You have to have those tools. Yeah. If you lose one. You're done. Or your child grabs one and misplaces it. Yeah. That thing's not coming together.
0: That's right.
1: Uh, this is the same way. Okay. There are a couple tools that you have got to have in your hand and think rightly about in order to arrive at the right answer here.
0: The right answer, again, being about how to preserve unity in the midst of political disagreements. That's
1: exactly right. Striking the balance between preserving true unity and not. So not
0: compromising the gospel. Not
1: compromising the gospel, not being unnecessarily divisive. That's right. Uh, And so the first tool is really just understanding the importance of unity within the local church.
0: So how important (laughs) is unity, Russell? I'm glad you asked, John.
1: Wow. Uh, Unity is an essential mark of the holiness of the church. Mm. Unpack
0: it is, that, unpack that. It
1: is how we reflect the character and the nature and the goodness of God and the gospel to yeah. the watching world.
0: What now, Before you go on, let me yeah. just clarify. I know that a lot of people, when they hear the word holiness, they only think about like purity, right? Mm. Not not a lot of sin, right? Yeah. But holiness in, in the scriptures really refers to being separated and distinct, right? So as God's people, our holiness is we're supposed to not be like the world. So unity as an expression of holiness, the whole world is tearing each other apart, yeah. right? They're at each other's throats. So we as Christians, bought by Jesus, washed by his blood, and dwelt by the same spirit, we're supposed to be distinct from the world in the way that we love one another, serve one another, even in spite of our differences.
1: Amen. That, that's where we get our word sanctification, from. It's mm. that it's the separating of for that's right. a particular purpose. Yeah. Uh, Jesus says in the high priestly prayer in John, John chapter 17, 17 yeah. uh, the glory that you have given me, he's, he's praying to the Father, I have given to them. The disciples, the church, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know Mm. that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Mm. So, this is a beautiful picture of the way the church is actually mirroring the unity that God has in Himself. Right. We are reflecting the character of God and the love of God and the unity of God, and we're doing it. In a way that's supernatural, yeah, uh, and in a way that is is designed by God to serve as evidence, supernatural evidence mm-hmm. of the truth and the power of the gospel to a non Christian world. Yeah, that's right. So that's it's, what we're fighting for.
0: And so, and and it's already been purchased for us. Paul that's is right. clear in Ephesians; he tells us that we have to fight to maintain the unity of the spirit. So it's something that we already have. It yes. was purchased at the cross. It's a it's a, an objective reality. But it's not something that we can be complacent in.
1: That's right. Okay. Uh, we also have to be careful, though, because you will often hear—so so you look at Scripture, uh, look at the, the way that the authors of the New Testament in particular talk about the sin of division and divisiveness mm-hmm. uh, and just how dangerous that is. And on the other hand, they frequently point out the danger of allowing false teachers and false professors into the church— uh, and considering them brothers when there is no real unity there. Right. So we have, to, we have to be talking about, well, what are we unified in? Right. And what are the areas where we maybe aren't unified, where we don't have to necessarily, disagree, to necessarily agree yeah. that are more flexible? And so that brings us to our second tool okay. that you need to have a right understanding of. And that is a healthy biblical view of the freedom of the Christian conscience. Mm. I've heard you explain this really well
0: yeah uh, you want to take a stab at that <clears throat> yeah so uh i don't remember who I heard this from first. I know Al Moeller developed in the eighties. he talks about theological triage the you know i'm a preacher, so i gotta I gotta stick with my alliteration and an alliteration that I heard from Juan Sanchez, a uh, pastor out in Texas you Juan close uh is is uh you you have first level second second level, and third level issues, but I break them down as core uh church and uh, oh, no. Conscience. There we go. Okay. There it is. Core church. Core church, or you could say core corporate identity conscience. So okay? this would be
1: the one, two, three.
0: That's right. So okay. right at the middle, the bullseye, you have the core issues. These are the doctrines that you have to believe in order to be a Christian, right? So I remember there was a guy that I was trying to evangelize in our city, and he identified as a Christian. But when I would have conversations with him, he would tell me that very obviously it 's true that Jesus did not resurrect from the grave, okay, so that is what Paul refers to in First Corinthians chapter fifteen as an issue of first importance, where if you don 't believe that Jesus actually rose from the grave you 're just not a Christian by definition by definition, you may like Jesus, you may call yourself that in some cultural sense, but you 're not Christian in a way that either Christ or any of his followers followers would have understand understood that identity, and there are several first importance Uh, There are several matters of doctrine that are of first importance in that same way. If you deny any number of things, you can just go read the Apostles' Creed. It does a good job of talking about those. So that's first level creed.
1: Right. And so those are doctrinal ideas that I would also say the ethical implications of those that spin out from those doctrines. Okay. So we have uh, authors in the New Testament telling us that the way you live your life is often evidence of whether or not you believe those things to be true
0: yeah so what's interesting is if you do like a word study on doctrine especially in like the pastoral epistles it, it almost never refers to uh concepts that you must believe it almost mm-hmm. always is used in such a way as to denote what you believe and how you live in light of what you believe exactly. you can never extricate the two it's it's orthodoxy and orthopraxy right right so, belief right living
1: so you may have a confession with your mouth that all these orthodox things are true that's right uh and then you decide you don't like your wife anymore and you leave her and go marry a new wife and absolutely and and you refuse to repent for that sin yeah so that's showing with with the fruit of your life that the things you claim to believe you didn't truly believe those absolutely so first level importance
0: yeah second the the church level or you can call it the corporate level uh these are things that we just have to agree on if we're going to do life together right so we are a baptistic church uh, that means that we think you need to have repented of your sins and trusted and placed your faith in Christ in order to be baptized, okay? Uh, if if we want to do church with people who who disagree with us on that, right, who have a paedo-baptist or a covenantal so, our understanding our of that. Our Presbyterian Baptist, brothers. Our Presbyterian brothers. Uh, man, we're just not going to be able to do life together. You're going to come to me with your brand new, beautiful little baby boy or girl, and oh, she's going to be gorgeous, and, and you're going to be like, can you baptize her? And I'm like, nope. You know, and and then you're going to hate me, yeah. <laughs> okay? Uh, the, the, for whether we're talking about matters of church government or issues of the sacraments or spiritual gifts, if you think you're a prophet and I don't think prophecy exists today, well, we may both end up in heaven together, but it's just going to be really hard for us to coexist as right. a church.
1: So okay? not, these aren't things that are necessary for salvation, right. but these are things that are necessary for practical unity.
0: That's right, yeah. And then finally, the third level issue uh, we just call these matters of indifference. Although I don't like using that phrase because it, it, it tends to communicate like they're not important at all.
1: It worked great in the 18th century. They understood oh, in that light word. Of modernism and all well, that. Well, the term indifference has changed in meaning.
0: Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: So we, we're not saying that they don't matter.
0: No, we're just saying that there's a lot of room for disagreement, um, matters of conscience. So in this category, we have, you know, your view on the millennium, right? Are we, are we in it? All millennial post, you know, those kinds of things. But there's also issues of like, should Christians drink alcohol? Sure. Right? Should they smoke? Should they smoke? Should they, you know, just kind of, should we celebrate these holidays, you know? Uh, What is
1: your judgment on global warming?
0: Exactly. Uh, So literally all kinds of stuff. Yeah, that's right. All kinds of stuff. So these first two, the the first one, non-negotiable. Second one, negotiable, but there should be you know, there's going to have to be some level of separation, mm-hmm. right? We're going to build a fence, mm-hmm. and that's going to let us be good neighbors, and we're going to shake hands over that fence often. The, the third level is there should just be an abundance of freedom and grace and patience and kindness and gentleness uh, towards people with whom we may disagree on these tertiary matters. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, I like to think of it as uh, always, sometimes, never. Okay. Do You ever wear Henley shirts? No. There's three buttons right here. So you always unbutton the top one. Okay. Because if you button the top one, you just look like a nerd. Yeah. Uh, You sometimes unbutton two.
0: Especially if you're like... It's a
1: little warm. You're trying to impress the ladies. I was going to say something else. Okay. You never unbutton all three. Okay. Because we know what that looks like. Unless you're Persian. (laughs) Yeah. Unless you're showing off your gold chain. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so always, sometimes, ever. You should always be unified around these first principles, yeah. these first ideas. Uh, sometimes you can find unity in the second, yeah. uh, and then you should uh, never exclude brothers and sisters on the basis of these third, Amen. this third category. Yeah. Okay, so what's the danger of getting these things confused? Like, let's say I find something that you would consider, we would both consider category three. So yeah. something of in, indifference that's not related to these salvific or practical unity issues. Yeah. What if I elevate that? to to a salvific issue
0: yeah so the the main there's a lot of dangers with that and if you want to uh, uh, listeners viewers if you want to study this more in depth i'd encourage you to go read through first corinthians chapters uh eight through eleven uh no eight through ten um but the main issue is that most likely you're going to end up making something a gospel issue that is not a gospel issue and then you will therefore yourself corrupt the gospel
1: be adding to the gospel yeah that's right which which we all know means it's no longer the gospel yeah
0: that's right so for example let me just let's let's work through an example perfect um i knew a family that had very strong opinions about giving massages they thought you should christians should never go to get a massage it's it's uh there's spiritual activity stuff going on there. My conscience, I thought I had a strong conscience about it. That means I thought, well, that, that lady may think she's adjusting my chakra, but I know that there's no such thing as a chakra. So just rub my back, okay? Yeah. You can say there's thing about yoga. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and so uh, that family thought that I was compromising the gospel by doing that. Now, they were very kind towards me in that way. Um, and I, but they ended up judging me for that. And I ended up judging them. I thought, well, how silly, how, how dumb is that? You have to, there's no such thing as a chakra. And so uh, it, not only can they lead to gospel issues, but they can also lead us to judging one another and thinking less of one another, which is that's, that's the, the seed of bitterness, the seed of resentment. Uh, that's where this disunity begins. When we disagree on these tertiary matters, and rather than saying along with Paul, well, I'm not your master. I know that God will judge you for this. Uh, we take that judgment into our own hands. Yeah, we see Paul model
1: this uh, quite well, helpfully, with uh, the brothers who believed that it was wrong to eat meat sacrificed to idols. Yeah, that's right. Paul recognized that's not real there's he no such d- thing as these
0: demons yeah. yeah
1: uh and yet he was kind and gentle towards these weaker brothers yeah. and guarded their conscience and tried not to tread all over it yeah uh it's a good example of what we're talking about okay yeah so uh the third tool that you're going to need in your toolbox to assemble a correct view of
0: wait it, remind us for the first two are unity uh a right
1: understanding okay. of unity why okay. we why we're trying to preserve unity what okay. it is uh, the second one that we just talked about was a healthy understanding of the freedom of the Christian conscience. So it's
0: theological triage. Exactly. Okay. The
1: third one is understanding the categories uh, of what I will call jagged line versus okay. straight line issues.
0: So you're getting this from Robert Benet, yeah. a Lutheran theologian. Benny? I think it's Benny. Well, I think it's Benet. I like Benny. Okay. <laughs>
1: yeah, a Lutheran guy who wrote a book.
0: Yeah, that's right. A very good book. It's called Good and Bad
1: Ways to Think About Religion and Politics.
0: Would you recommend that our viewers read it? Yeah, I think it's a
1: useful book. Uh, I think most of what's useful from it was picked up by and sort of expanded by Mm. Jonathan Lehman in, in How the Nations Rage. Uh, both authors use the same category.
0: Caleb Morell actually has an article on Nine Marks where he kind of says like, hey, you don't have to read the book, just read this article. So I would recommend maybe we'll link that in the description. I would scripture. too. Yeah, because
1: yeah. this, I mean, this is the golden nugget from both of those That's books. right, yeah. So what do I mean by jagged line and straight line issues? Well, first, first straight line issues. A straight line issue is one where we take a biblical or theological principle That is very clear in scripture Mm -hmm. and directly reason from that to our present circumstances. And how we apply that. Exactly. So easy example, abortion. Yeah. Uh, God's word says that murder is sin. Murder is evil. Mm -hmm. Abortion, well, it's just a sort of, it's a kind of murder. It's the murdering of an unborn child.
0: Murder is evil. Abortion is murder. You can draw a straight line between those two points. Very
1: simple, straight line. I can reason from there that I should be opposed to abortion. Okay, and all so that's Christians should. Line. Okay. Uh, straight line issues are uh, are strong because of their proximity to direct, clear biblical truths. That's right. And this puts them in the category of what we talked about earlier of, of first importance. Yeah. These are primary issues. We you,
0: should bind Christians' consciences. Yeah. Over this.
1: You you can't be a Christian and be pro-abortion. Yeah. And, and so this is an issue that's straight line.
0: There's no agree to disagree. That's right. Okay.
1: Jagged line issues, on the other hand tend to have a multi-step process of reasoning. Uh, they tend to take a clear biblical or theological principle and from that infer to another principle. Yeah. And then from that principle, infer, refer, uh, infer, infer. To, infer to another principle yeah. and then apply that to our present circumstances. And so there can be an, any number of inferences and steps within this reasoning to yeah. get to, well, who do I vote for? Or what what policy should I support? right? Uh, or how should I feel about this issue? Uh, So the anti-abortion movement is a good example. So it's it's a straight line conclusion that we should be opposed to abortion. Okay. But it's a little bit more complicated when we say, okay, exactly which strategy for ending abortion is the right strategy for Christians to throw their weight behind? Yeah, that's right. Do we go after the Supreme Court? Do we just nominate pro-life judges or do we ignore the supreme court and fight for a state autonomy and have and have our states become sanctuary states and sanctuary cities where abortion is illegal and we fight the federal government
0: incrementalism outright revolution and civil war i mean there's
1: all kinds of different judgments that you can then infer out from often using other biblical principles sure
0: let let me use an example that's right in line with what we're talking about today which is voting Mm -hmm. okay abortion is evil straight line right it's murder it's wrong this candidate who's running claims to be pro-life yet in 1992 voted to approve a bill that had funding in it for Planned Parenthood well there's a lot going on there There you have no idea why that guy might have voted that way for that bill back that long ago right so that's just a big ball. That's just a whole lot of inferences. It's that morally you have to work with. complex, very complex. Uh, now, that's not saying that there's not a right answer. That's correct. Yeah.
1: So, so then another example might be uh, the government in China outlawing Christian gatherings. Okay. It's a very straight line. This is wrong. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, God's word commands us to gather, commands us to assemble, and to obey God uh, rather than earthly authorities when right. they command us to disobey God. Right. Yet, if you look at the limitations on gatherings during this COVID nineteen mm-hmm. pandemic, and say, "Well, I've reasoned that it's now time for us to be civil disobedient, sure. civilly disobedient," sure, that's more complicated. Yeah, uh, because there's all kinds of nuance to that. There's different laws in different cities and different states yeah. uh, related to this. So, the whole point of this is is straight line issues. We bind consciences. That's right. Those are issues of first importance. These jagged line issues we can't bind consciences on because we need to recognize that every time we infer in our reasoning, we, we take a step away from a clear biblical text. Yeah, we're increasing, we're we're injecting we're an opportunity, a yeah, uh, a risk that we may be wrong.
0: Do you remember? Did you have TV when you were growing up? The old ones where like the knob went click, yeah, click, 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 and you yeah, yeah. So you know if if like we're on. 10 right every level of inference that you get away from that straight line issue for every jagged line that you add you're just going to click 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 down your conviction your rhetoric your everything the way that you talk about it yeah
1: because you may be right yeah your your reasoning may be correct
0: well knowing you you're certainly right
1: That's, and that's the danger. That's <laughs> the danger, You always right? think you are. That's but, right. But every step away from clear biblical principles and teachings is a chance that you took a wrong turn. That's right. Uh, and so the, really, this leads us to our fourth tool. Okay. So first tool was understanding the importance of unity. Mm-hmm. The second tool was understanding uh, the freedom of the Christian conscience. This third one was the distinction between straight line and jagged line issues. Right. Not making a category error and blurring those. The fourth one is having a biblical understanding of the deceptiveness of sin. Okay, It is a mark of Christian understanding and humility to recognize that when you get to these jagged line issues, you need to, to tread more carefully and more cautiously, especially as a pastor, mm. because you don't want to confuse your flock into thinking that when you say something very clear from scripture, God's word says murder is evil, mm. that that has the same weight and the same certainty as when you say, vote for proposition, fill in the blank. Right. Because it doesn't. Now we get that from understanding that sin is deceitful. Mm -hmm. We have a, as as Christians, a healthy understanding, a skepticism of our own hearts, our own cognitive abilities, and the way that sin can mislead. Yeah. Um, go ahead. You're well. I was just going
0: to say the the one of the common things that I like to say to people when I'm having this conversation is just think about how many times already in your life you have had a very strong opinion that you thought for sure was right. You felt it in your bones, it had to be true. Mm-hmm. Maybe you spent a long time thinking about it only to change your mind. That's right. Right. I mean, how many times have you been there? It's too many to count. Too many to count, right? Uh, and um, there's yeah. A, there's a
1: flip side to this too. Okay. Which is not just uh, the, the possibility that you've been deceived on some particular inference or issue. Yeah. But there's a deceptiveness of sin in thinking that because I see something clearly and mm. I know it's true, everybody else must see it with the same clarity. And if, if not,
0: they're compromising not, the gospel. If not, they're in sin.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, and that, and that is just—it's just a lie from Satan.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Paul once again to go back to First Corinthians, he makes an allowance he he has a lot of room for christians who don't have all of their theological ducks in a row mm-hmm. so like let's just take celebrating certain holidays or eating meat offered to idols that he uses uh as an example ultimately those are theological questions yeah. right remember when paul goes to give his reasoning he makes a theological argument he goes i know that these gods aren't real gods at all right? So he's making a theological statement there. Now that theology is what calibrates his conscience stronger or weaker. Okay. So at the end of the day, a lot of these issues, they are theological in nature and there, there are right answers and wrong answers, but you just have to approach these questions with a kind of trepidation that says, not only could I be wrong, uh, but you could be wrong and it's okay for you to be wrong. Yeah. Uh, It's not okay for you to stay there. Right.
1: Right. Yeah, uh, We don't want the weaker brother to remain weak. No, no, no. But no. we want to extend the charity and have a category for someone who may even persist in poor judgments. Sure. Uh, and that's, that's where I want to go next. Let's yeah. make this practical. Okay. Uh, one of the questions we got is, can, should a Christian vote for a Democratic Party candidate in, candidate in 2020? Can a Christian vote for Joe Biden?
0: Yeah. So can a Christian do it? Yes. Well, yeah. Are, are, you, are you? Should a Christian is be this right? person? Yeah, asking is it morally permissible? That's right. Which now that's kind of like the evangelical way, like the lowest common denominator. Like, what can I get but away? Can with? Can we? Right. Yeah. Can I? Uh, the answer to that is obviously yes. You can. Yeah. Uh, should I? Right. Right. Well, Here, that's
1: where all these arguments. One of the things that I I'm right. concerned about with our conservative leaning friends mm-hmm. uh, is that they will see that as. Uh, an excommunicatable offense. Mm. You're supporting a party that as part of its platform is pro abortion, pro homosexual marriage, pro LGBTQ yeah. ideology. And you can't consciously affirm those beliefs and call yourself a Christian because those are all straight line issues.
0: Yeah, but here's the thing you really can though. Well that yeah that's what I'm getting to is you're right exactly. So that you have to have
1: two categories. Yeah. You have to have when you're considering brothers and sisters who vote differently than you and you're persuaded that the party or the the person they're voting for is morally evil, yeah. morally wrong. There's two groups that those people could fall into. Number mm-hmm. one, it, it really could be that you have someone who's pro abortion in your congregation.
0: Now, that is something that we cannot tolerate. Exactly. That is excommunicable. Yeah, that's that's, that's a yeah. person
1: who needs to be uh who needs to be rebuked. Yeah. And and lord willing will be reconciled back to the Amen. congregation yeah. and we'll see the error of that you know yeah. murder is evil there yeah. is no excuse but there's a difference between that category someone who's consciously mm-hmm. affirming what is evil and someone who consciously affirms that that is evil yes. they believe that abortion yes. is wrong and yet in their
0: judgments yeah. even
1: if these are wrong judgments they unintentionally contradict those very convictions with their actions with their sure. vote
0: and that could even be further broken down into somebody could just be doing that out of ignorance mm-hmm. maybe they've just grown up always hearing that democrats are the ones who do most for poor people including that's right. children after birth that's right or it could be tactical so let me let me give our our listeners and our viewers an example that i of, of a conversation that i had with a brother who is pro life Uh, thinks abortion is evil. It's a blight on humanity Uh, who nevertheless voted Democrat. Okay. He said, Sean, I think that the Republicans have had an opportunity to do away with abortion for the last 50 years and they haven't done it. And I'd so much despise so much of what the, I, I, I despise so much of everything else that the Republican party stands for that even though it makes me sick to my stomach, I ultimately think that voting Democrat will do more good than the Republicans who pay a lot of lip service to being pro-life, but who in fact don't actually use their institutional power to do away with this great evil. So uh, now that language, you may recognize it, conservative evangelical friends, the I don't like it, it kind of makes me sick, but I think it's the best long-term option. I think it'll do the most good for the most people because that's the same argument that you use in your vote for Trump. You say, no, the guy's an idiot. He's a jerk, and I hate the way he talks. He's an adulterer. He's he's an adulterer, and he disrespects, you know, all this stuff. And it makes me sick, but I'm going to vote for him. That's right. Right. Same reasoning. So you could tactically choose that.
1: And what we're not saying here is that this is, uh, we're not being, uh, we're not of the persuasion that that your vote, which candidate you choose in this election, for example, is, is morally ambivalent. No, we're not, not saying at all. it doesn't matter, and no. you know it's 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 neutral. You just kind of got to close your eyes and pick a direction. Yeah, uh, you and I both feel strongly about who the right candidate is.
0: Yeah, let me also tell you that before we <laughs> go further down that road, uh, I think that brother's wrong. Oh yeah, yeah, I think he's way wrong. Yeah, okay,
1: but that doesn't mean he's not my brother. That's right. So so we're trying to preserve a category of otherwise faithful Christians who have dumb ideas. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and I would pray that they do the same for me when I have done. Yeah, ideas. that's right.
0: Yeah. I mean, brother, just think about how many people have been so patient with you as you have held them ideas, right? How they didn't just write you off, right? Uh, I mean, do you ever have that feeling of thankfulness wash over you when you look back on men and women who were kind to you when you didn't deserve it? When really what you deserve was a smack in the mouth. You know, You deserve to be cast out. Just like in the gospel, that's what we deserved, right? But older, wiser men and women were very patient and very gentle and very kind with us, and they held our hand and helped us walk in the right direction.
1: Yeah, amen. Well, you know, I, I think we should also be willing to err on the side of charity here. Uh, as you mentioned, because the Republican Party, for example, has its own shortcomings. Yeah. Uh, the Democratic Party in particular is is remarkably good at rhetorical deception. Mm. Um, you know, they just think about the way they talk about abortion. Mm-hmm. It's choice. It's women's rights. Yeah. It's reproductive rights. It's yeah. it's it's health care. Yeah. When you have a party that is so good at obfuscating the truth, yeah, they won't call it murder. Yeah. Uh, I just want to create a space for Christians who are weaker in their understanding to make errors in judgment.
0: Yeah. So so think about uh, a Christian who grew up liberal their whole lives. They just get. And I'm using liberal. In the the most pejorative sense possible, okay? (laughs) Not not like uh, classic liberalism. Right, right. A person who grew up liberal, they get saved. They've been walking with the Lord for two years. They haven't been in a healthy church. They haven't been discipled. They don't really know how to read their Bibles. And uh, you sit down with them and you go, who are you going to vote for? And they go, oh, Biden, of course. He's going to do the most good for the most amount of people. You know, in that moment... Do you think that there's no room for that Christian to be in the church? Well, I, yeah. I I think there has to be. Now let me be clear. You I don't know if you were planning on doing this, but I just want to do it. Okay, go and maybe it. we'll cut this out if it doesn't go well. Uh, I think the Democratic Party is evil from the root to the fruit. I agree. They have it written into their platform, every way, and they have enumerated their evil positions in their platform. They're anti God. They are pro murdering infants even after they are born. They're pro taking away civil liberties and all different kinds of rights that I just don't think God permits them to do. Oh yeah. So, uh, we are not defending the democratic party. No, no, no. So I, I know. So I, I recently had a conversation with a sister in the Lord who was a little concerned about our last conversation. And one of the things that she said was, um, she says, well, I I just felt like those people who said those things needed to be more clear. So in an effort to be as clear as I can possibly be, just because I'm making room in the church for people who vote for the Democrats does not mean that in any way I think what the Democrats are doing is anything other than pure evil. That's right. Okay.
1: Yeah. uh, I'm going to quote a a Puritan by the name of Jeremiah Burroughs. Okay. He wrote a really helpful uh, little article called, What We Are to Bear With in Others. Uh, During the English Reformation, Basically, he was in a battle between Anglicans and Congregationalists okay. on how the church should be ordered. Should it be basically part of the state system or should a congregation be autonomous? Uh, Stuff
0: that American Christians today wouldn't care even be about. Uh, but yeah. in
1: that debate, he had this piece that was basically arguing for unity on these issues of... Uh, secondary and tertiary importance,
0: and, and and even him writing that would have been a sign of compromise, yeah, according to many, to many of his yeah. uh, comrades
1: on the Congregationalist side. Yeah. Well, he writes, "If I must needs err, considering what our condition is here in this world, I will rather err by too much gentleness and mildness than by too much rigor and severity." Yeah. So here he is recognizing our sinful, fallible minds. And also recognizing that there are issues in Scripture that are more dim, that yeah. we have to reason from yeah. principles to circumstances in our present lives, and that introduces the possibility of error and basically what Burroughs argued in this piece, which I highly recommend you go find it's in uh, Ian Murray's Reformation of the Church, if you Google that, he's arguing that the Lord gives us these areas that are less clear, uh, not because the scripture is not sufficient to guide us sure but as a as a useful way of encouraging us to be charitable and to extend love to our brothers in Christ on areas that, that we don't have a direct word on. Yeah. And, and I think that is so right and oh, so absolutely. good. Absolutely. Uh, and I just want to encourage us to do the same.
0: Yeah. And, and let me tell you some of the best fruit that I have seen in the life of the local church that I pastor comes when we don't see eye to eye, right? Yeah. It's when it's like, I know that I'm, I'm going to teach this thing publicly, or I know that this member, holds this belief privately and there's an opportunity for friction there but we bear with one another we receive one another we love one another you know jesus said that uh uh, by this the world will know that you belong to me that you love one another and he did not say that thinking about a church that was going to agree on every primary secondary and tertiary matter of doctrine he said that about a church that he knew from its very inception was just going to be shot through with uh controversy and disagreements and so uh, it's it's an, it's especially in the midst of these disagreements that we can really make Jesus look as big and as glorious as he really is. Amen. Yeah. That's
1: yeah. I think that well, going back to our first point, the supernatural nature of our unity yeah. that it defies these political divisions yeah. uh, is a testament to the power of the gospel.
0: Yeah, that's right. And so we need we need that charity to be given to us. Right? Yeah,
1: yeah. If you're if you're a, a Democrat leaning voter listening yeah. to this. Uh, yes, you heard us say that we think the the, the party you're voting for is yes. evil. Uh, but we would pray that if you look at us, and, and, think, we're,
0: and we're not really Republicans either, not so, really. So,
1: okay, but but if you look at us and see that our political leanings and choices uh, are are different from what you would judge to be right, right, and you think we are wrong, right, great, keep thinking we're wrong. But but please, brother or sister, extend the same charity that we're trying to encourage Amen. from our end. Yeah, uh, if you're more conservative, and you're listening to this and thinking. Yeah, but if you vote for Biden, you're voting for abortion. Yeah, just try and remember this category of people who are firm in their convictions of what's right and wrong. Yeah, and yet in their judgments, they unconsciously contradict those convictions. Yeah, uh, there's. I guarantee that our conservative listeners already
0: have this category.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, they already use it in their reasoning. Um, let me give you an example. Give it to me. Uh, slavery.
0: Mm. Jonathan so, Edwards.
1: Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield. Uh, both heroes of the faith, Mm -hmm. both owned slaves. Yeah. You will have people on the far left, you know, that your woke theologians who will look at these guys and say, they couldn't have been Christians. Right. You have to doubt their salvation because they were engaged in something that was wickedly sinful. Mm -hmm. Now they're right that it was sinful. Yeah. Very serious moral failing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yet we would say that's wrong
0: because we... What's the that there? We
1: would say it's wrong to question the salvation. To say that they're not Christians. To say that these brothers weren't Christians. Yeah. And here's why. It's because we have a category where they could affirm orthodox truth, that all men are created in the image of God. They could affirm those salvific issues and just be completely self-deceived and unconsciously contradict those affirmations Mm -hmm. in their behavior. Yeah, that's right. And we give room for that.
0: And and sorry, I know we weren't going to talk about slave owning and stuff, but we also need to make a, a category distinction between a man like Jonathan Edwards, who... As he read scripture, saw all the protections for slaves That's and right. tried to love them, serve them, care for them yes. as a stewardship versus like uh, uh, maybe a, a slave owner in the Deep South who a abused... Man, a man-stealer. A man-stealer, abuser. That's right. right. Okay. So so people on the right already have this category. Yeah. They, when, when these woke theologians go, Jonathan Edwards, he wasn't a Christian, they go, how dare you? How could you say that about Jonathan right. Edwards, right? So you have this category. Well, I,
1: yeah, and ironically, by saying... Oh, you voted for a Democrat? Well, how could you be a Christian? They're doing the same thing. The
0: same thing. And really, I I would say to a worse degree.
1: Yeah. Well, And I do want to say, though, I, I sympathize with their view insofar that, as you've said, we, we think the Democratic Party platform is full of wicked, evil things. Yeah. And I'm willing to say that in a few years— we this podcast may not really be true anymore. It may in, in not, In some yeah, sense. That's uh, right. The there principles could be developments. will be true. Yeah. But it, we may come to a point where the, the extreme left wing of the Democratic Party has dragged the mainstream so far in their direction yeah. that it, it just becomes an issue that Christians simply can't disagree on
0: anymore. So you take the Nazi party in Germany, for example. Remember, the Nazi party... Uh, it, there was a development a progression yeah. their, there their
1: original platform wasn't kill all
0: the jews that's right there was an ideological uh evolution and implementation mm-hmm. uh there's a progress and implementation so there was a point where a line was crossed right where you could have been a christian and voted for the nazi party or participated in the nazi party and then there was a point where you just couldn't anymore right maybe that was the nuremberg declaration i don't know but there is a line and we need to pray for wisdom that god will help us to see if that day comes with the democrats
1: Amen. Uh, let's close with a word from the Lord. This is Romans fifteen five mm. through seven. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Let's glorify God with one voice.
0: Amen. Amen. Also, I lifted my hands for that benediction. I saw that. Yeah.
1: Did you feel different? way different a little personal spiritual experience i
0: felt like my blessing antennas were up and i got much better blessing reception on that
1: uh we'll do an episode on that next yeah that's
0: right okay before we go though uh, we have to say that we are still not done with our critique of critical theory we still have one more episode on social justice that's right uh we've already done a whole series on that but this is a unique angle that we're going to take on it in light of our study in critical theory 2.0 2.0. 2.0. We're coming back for that. Be praying for us as we prepare. Yep. And thank you for listening. Please share. Hey, yeah. <laughs> we're a bunch of nobodies, you know, but if you share us...
1: If the 12 of you who are
0: listening to this share all share this. with yeah. two people... We'll still be nobodies, but maybe God will be more glorified and the church will be more built up. Amen. So Amen.
1: follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Podbean, uh, iTunes, and now on Amazon Music. I've yet yep. to hear someone say that, hey, Alexa, play Defend and
0: Confirm podcast works really but i want somebody to try it and let us know give it a try let us know maybe we'll send you a t-shirt hey let's do it also if you're a 7xl (laughs) we have no t-shirts for you if you're a 7x small we have no t-shirts for you we have medium large we got a couple xls left and xl so
1: you uh you can get a t-shirt and give it to your giant friends there it
0: is all All right. right signing off
1: thank you bye